and welcome back to Rebel Chums uh, for our second episode of the Disney Channel Original Movies. Woo! Uh, so today I'm joined with... Oh, Rob. Andy. And Jake. And I'm not. Yay! So welcome back if you're a regular. Welcome if you're brand new. Right, so today we're going to be watching The Cheetah Girls. Which I'm very excited for. We are the cheetah girls, we are the <laughs> cheetah girls. I, I am actually quite excited myself, um, even though I know very little about this, but... Do you know anything about it at all? I know what you told me, which is that it's a, it's a, it's a basically a school music. Well, I say school musical. It's a musical film about a girl band at school, yeah? Yeah, so, yeah, that's pretty that's much it. That's all, all I, know, I know, and I'm, that concept excites me. Yes, that <laughs> and the gifs that you sent across from the cheetah girls look very much like my kind of film. Oh, the gifts! <laughs> yeah. Very oh, excited. Great. Cheetalicious! Oh, so good. <laughs> Rob, do you know anything about this at all? No, not at all. all oh, only the Raven from That's So Raven is yes, in this. Yes, Raven from That's So Raven is in it. Ah. She's probably the only one that you'll recognise. The other three kind of just did this and didn't do very much else. Well, you did the other Cheetah Girls well. films. Well, yeah, yes. Yeah, so this is the first in a trilogy. And I found out today they're actually based on books, which I didn't know. Oh. They're based on a book series, um, which is quite exciting. And I also found out today that Whitney Houston co-produced this and the second one. What? Wow. I know! <laughs> God, her last few years were wild. <laughs> God, I've got big expectations for this film. So, I mean, well, I'm going to ask the same question, though, that I did last week, was that, like, obviously there's a lot of Disney... Channel original mm-hmm. movies, and you've selected them. So why have you chosen this? Is it just because it's one of the most famous, or do you really like it? Or I really liked the trilogy growing up. I've not, I've, I've not seen these films for at least like ten years ish, probably. Um, I remember knowing all the songs growing up, and like me and my friends at school would make up dance routines to the songs in the playground. Oh, that's so at cute. <laughs> It was great, and we'd all take it in turns to be a different cheetah girl. It was great. Um, so, How old would you yeah. be? What year was this? How old would you this be? This was 2003. Yeah, it was. Um, but I, I think I only watched it maybe like when I was like eight or nine. So what was that? So it would have been a little bit afterwards, maybe 2005. Yeah, because I was six when this came out. So yeah, it would have been a few years after that that's, I like first watched it and stuff. That's the perfect age though, isn't it really? Yeah. Like this. Oh no, it's so good. I'm so excited. I've, I've been listening to the soundtrack as well, and it's very like noughties pop dance kind of music. Ooh, I am fairly excited. <laughs> and excited. general general themes to look out for, which are which are very prominent in most decoms. To be fair, um, being yourself and being true to yourself, uh, female empowerment. What else did I say? Following your dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and friendship. I mean, those are all fairly uncontroversial themes, there, really, <laughs> yeah. aren't they? There's not, there's yeah, not really any big issues way. being highlighted there, is there? But that's fine. <laughs> not every film has to be groundbreaking. That's true. <laughs> I have a question, though. So, Cheetah Girls, you obviously really like it, but in terms of like the general cultural pop- poposphere, I wouldn't say it's infiltrated very much, because I'd never heard of it until we decided we were going to do it. Well, Why? when I was... You'd never heard of it? Oh, I'd, he- I'd definitely heard of it. Had like, you heard of it? Yeah. No, oh, Interesting. Right, okay. When I was looking this up as well, um, apparently this album, like the soundtrack for this film, is on par in terms of sales with 
High School Musical in the Hannah Montana movie. That oh, is crazy. It's insane because I, I didn't think that it was seems, that big either. Yeah, that seems crazy. I was going to gonna me. say wow. it doesn't seem that big. I was going to ask why did High School Musical take off so much while this one didn't take off quite as much, but obviously that's not the case. Yeah, this soundtrack went double platinum. Yeah, double platinum in the states. Bloody hell! It's crazy. I, I remember <laughs> that it was more popular in America than it was over here. Well, I yeah, remember around this time I went to Florida with my family and there were adverts for Cheetah Girls too everywhere, which <laughs> really? I, I wasn't aware of the first one, but they were like Cheetah Girls. Two was a big deal, so I guess it had broken out quite a lot in in America. Yeah, I feel like if we were doing this episode as Americans, we would be talking a lot about how the soundtracks were quite big in the charts mm. and stuff. But yeah. it was only really High School Musical that made it quite big over here. Yeah, it'd be sort of like I don't know. It's not like Maybe best it's... comparison, but like Baby Metal are one of the few kind of Japanese idol groups to make it internationally. Usually they've yeah, kind of the split up by now. Just in but Japan there are many in Japan that are huge. Hmm. Yes. Maybe um, it's, maybe yeah. something to do with timing because um, obviously these are all decom films. Maybe um, access to the Disney Channel grew with time, and so by the time High School Musical came out several years later, more people were able to watch it. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I never had the Disney Channel when I was a kid. We were too poor to afford um, anything other than the basic five channels until I was... I, I didn't have anything more than the basic five channels until TVs came with Freeview. Yeah, I think pretty much the same for us as well. We did have the Disney Channel, but I sort of neglected it, to be honest. Like, when I was a little kid, I used to watch, like, all the... Like, you know, the straight-to-TV straight sequels and things like that, and, like, the... The shitty cartoons, but I never watched like decoms. I was more of a Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network kind of a guy. I've got to be honest. So this is a journey of discovery for me. In fact, by the t- I think that by the time we got more than the basic five channels, we got a Telewest box, which gave us access to more channels. But by then, I was too old to, for my parents to consider paying for any of the kids' packages, mm. so we never had access to the Disney Channel even then. That's gutting. I know. Is the Disney Channel say. still a thing? Sorry, just just to ask, is, does Disney Channel still exist? I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Decom came out like this year. Yeah, oh. I feel like Disney Channel is still going. Yeah, I think it's, it's something about zombies. I remember seeing when I was at the Jonas Brothers concert. Lol, um, <laughs> they had they had Decom adverts um, in the big screens while we were waiting. I'll just check. When Are they that? still owned by Disney? I think the so. Jonas yeah. Brothers. When, oh, when... oh, the Jonas Brothers. No, no, no. No, when... I can't remember who they're signed with now. When did you go and see Jonas Brothers? In February. Oh, oh! I thought, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about years ago. Wow. No, 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 no. <laughs> but they were advertising decoms, which is quite funny, because no. they try and neglect as much Disney as they can, but they can't seem to escape it, which is really funny. Oh, um, bless their hearts. <laughs> well, you've got, you've got to be thankful for who gave you your start, I suppose, haven't you? Zom- yeah. Zombies 2 is the one that came out in February this year. Oh, right. Okay. Zombies 2. Zombies 1 came out in 2018. <laughs> what was you going to say, Rob? Well, I was going to say that um, High School Musical, the soundtrack... In terms of units shifted, I think it's quite similar in the States as the Cheetah Girls, but worldwide, it was just, like, massive, mm. essentially. I think that's the difference. Well, oh, like, okay. basically, any English-speaking country was obsessed with High School Musical in a way that America only really took to Cheetah Girls, and the rest of the yeah. world just kind of blinked and missed it. And... It's like Cheetah well, Girls walked so High School Musical could run. Well, the UK yeah. relaunch... Oh, that's of... a very nice way of putting it. <laughs> the, UK, the UK relaunch of Cheetah Girls starts here. We're bringing back Cheetah Girls to the UK. <laughs> yeah. We're going to do this, yeah. Oh, I'm so <laughs> excited for this. If Cheetah, Gale, get, Cheetah Girls sales soar because of this, we want a share of the profits, Disney. Yeah. 
<laughs> to be fair, this podcast is basically sponsored by Disney at this point. <laughs> so I want true, some actually. profits anyway. I think almost everything we've done has been Disney in some way, hasn't it? Yeah, apart- Lord of yeah, the Rings and Harry Potter Rings. are the only films we've done that are not owned by Disney. And you know what? In a couple of years' time, both New Line Cinema and Warner Bros. will probably be owned by Disney. I know. Probably, yeah. Wow. Well, with that said, shall we go and <laughs> whack on Disney? Plus? Oh my god! Speaking of, speaking <laughs> Drink some of more of that Kool Aid, yeah. we were we were watching an episode of The Simpsons the other day, and they made a joke about how Fox is going to be owned by Disney in the future. Yeah, and that was from the front was from the nineties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it goes to the Fox Studios. They cut to the Fox Studios, and there's a Fox logo underneath saying "Now owned by the Walt Disney Company." Wow! Who'd have thought it? That's so bizarre. God, the Simpsons predicted everything. <laughs> the whole future. Well, Disney Plus does have a section of Simpsons predicts, which are episodes based on what the Simpsons has predicted happened. Really? Like, like Donald Trump being president, and um, probably not the nine eleven episode. Go home, Disney. Probably you can't me. meme. You can't <laughs> meme. All, all really badly cropped into sixteen by nine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. Shall we get to it? Yes. Let's hop to it, yeah. Woo! Let's go drink from the Disney Cheetah Girls. Cheetah Girls it is. Cheetah Girls! Woo! Forever. <laughs> Meet the Cheetah Girls. Cheetah! The talent show's auditions are tomorrow. The Cheetah Girls are first in line to win this thing. Your dreams are very important to us. But here's my plan. That you focus on real life and real chores real, real soon. Friends help friends make their dreams come true. They were just trying to win their school talent show. Then... Jacqueline Johnson? Their whole world changed. I'm looking for the next big thing. And I think that thing might just have spots. Here's my checklist. Number one, record a bump and demo. Number two, make millions. Our engineering department wants to create whole new identities. I'm sorry, we don't lip sync. Don't worry, we'll teach you. Their dreams meant everything to them. We can't change the Cheetah Girls. Now they have to prove it. It's not our music. It's not your song, so you want to walk. You're not the boss of everything. Why don't you guys believe in what we have? The newest Disney Channel original movie. It's not worth losing a friendship over. How could we be friends again? Welcome to the world of a true artist. Starring Raven from That's So Raven, Sabrina Bryan, and 3LW's Keely Williams and Adrian Balon. You're a cheetah girl because of who you are and what's in your heart. The Cheetah Girls, opening Friday at 8, 7 central, only on Disney Channel. Hi, I'm Noor from Rebel Chums. And you're listening to our Disney Channel original season. And we're back. Woo. From uh, being cheetified, we are back from New York. Cheetalicious, <laughs> New York for the second time. And, uh, so the locations of these films so far have been the city of New York, then upstate New York, and now the city of New York. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> very first comment before we get started is that when we put the film on for a moment, I thought we might have put Cadet Kelly on again by accident because it opens the exact same way. Possibly yeah. the same location. It's crazy. Uh, I think yeah, it might be the same place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what's everybody's what initial thoughts? on the budget. What, uh, well, who on. wants to go first? I'll I'll go first. So I didn't think this was as good as Cadet Kelly. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. It was it was decent, but um, if I tell you now, I can't remember any of the characters' names. 
Um, Gal- Galleria was the main character. Galleria, or Gal- yeah, yeah, that's Raven. Chanel. Chanel. They've all got quite unusual names to Dorinda. be fair. Dorinda. Dorinda, because she's called Doremi. Yes. Chuchi, Chichi. That's a nickname for, for Chanel. Chanel. Oh, oh. See, I never know. I never noticed nickname. that. And Galleria's nickname is Bubbles. Ah. Right. See, I kept thinking these were all separate characters, where they kept using these <laughs> nicknames. I was very confused. Um, okay, so you've got you've got Chanel, which was the curly-haired one. Yeah, the one who's got the Spanish mom. Is that her? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's Chanel. And then you've got Galleria, who was played by Raven. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Dorinda, who was the foster kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you've got Aqua. Aqua. Who's the one from Texas. Aqua. See, I never yes. would have remembered that. So. <laughs> Um, my, I, I think this one has a clearer structure than Cadet Kelly, which sort of bounced from problem to problem to problem to problem to ending. Whereas this one sort of had like, after the talent show happened, or at least what I thought was the talent show at the beginning, but it turned out it wasn't the talent show. That was the audition was, for the talent that was show. The audition yeah. for the talent show. Um, once we got that out of the way, it sort of had a bit of an end game. Like, we, we could foresee what was going to happen. We knew that they were going to go to this recording studio, they would have issues with the band, and they'd all split up, but then at the end, they'd all get together. Like, it's Do relatively you, well, simple. It's like, choose between money and authenticity, which... Yeah, like, you yeah. can tell that that's what's going to be, which um, which is fine, because it means that the story's a lot more structured and clearer to understand than what it was in Cadet Kelly, which was a, sometimes a little bit like, we're doing this, and then we're doing this, and then we're doing this, and then we're doing this. <laughs> but it's just... I don't know, it just wasn't, like... It wasn't as fun, in my opinion. I... And I, and uh, and I just I, I just didn't understand the characters like I just didn't like them for most <laughs> especially the main one what's her name like Galleria well yeah but not supposed to like Galleria no at the beginning anyway well the thing is at the beginning and then she learns <laughs> but the beginning I liked her and then I started to not like her but then the roles started to reverse a little bit sometimes for the characters like Gab- Andy was saying this like Gabriella was the one Galleria. sucking Galleria. <laughs> Yeah, there's this scene which confused the hell out of both of us. Galleria was sucking up to the record label guy to try and get in with the record label guy so they could get a record label. But then when they all went to the record label, it wasn't her sucking up, it was everyone else sucking up to him, except Gal- Galleria. She, she'd been Gal- out of the room in the bathroom. Getting poo and off she machine. came back and they were all laughing around. <laughs> Stop fudging up the carpet. Whatever his name was. Was it Jack something? Jack- Jackal. Jackal yeah. Johnson. They were, yeah, they were all like, ha ha ha, giggling around Jackal and she wasn't into it. And then she said, oh yeah, we'll take the deal. And they were all like, wow, oh my God, you shouldn't have done that. It's like, hang on, which side is who on here? Like, I know, it just like, keeps like, changing. Pick, pick, pick a side and ideal and stick yeah. to it, girls. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so... I don't think it was as strong on the character front but I than Cadet Kelly, but I thought it was stronger on the plot front. Okay. That's my hot take. I, on balance, I didn't like it. Um, really? No. It, it, I felt like for large portions of the movie, not much of anything was happening. Um, the characters, apart from Galleria, I feel like most of the other characters... I couldn't really distinguish one of them from the other in terms of character traits. Like they had their things, like one oh, of I'm, I'm, I'm from a foster home. Uh, I don't get much attention from my mom, and I'm uh, just a little bit of intrigue there. with foster home girl. Yeah. In that you like you see her mopping the floor, and you're like, ooh, I wonder why she has to work for herself in New York. Mm. Where are her parents? Like, and then you find out it's like, oh right, she's from a foster home. 
But like have, that changes nothing. <laughs> have, have, having a backstory is not the same as character traits. Yeah. Like it's like okay, she's the one from a foster home. Yeah, but like, you know, what? Who is she? What's she like? like who I, is she? Yeah. I just, I just felt like most of the characters were pretty undefined. The music. I, oh, see, I know you said it was very naughty, but I had it in my head because it's a Disney Channel musical. I just had it in my head that it was going to be like musical, musical. But the thing is, my absolute least favorite genre of in all music is early noughties R&B. That kind of R&B. <laughs> I hate yeah. it. So all of the music was just lost on me. So I, f- I was, I found it pretty underwhelming. Um, it was all right. Like it wasn't a bad movie. Uh, I also agree with Jake that it, a hugely, hugely unlikable protagonist. Um, and I just, I found it all just a bit meh. I didn't mind the music so much. I thought the music was a bit generic, but it was fine. It was not high school musical level of quality, but then it wasn't music. Well, no, this is, this is before high school music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And this is, this isn't musical music. It's just like, it's R&B pop songs, but in a, in a film. Um, my favourite favourite um, song lyric goes to when I was young my mummy used to tuck me in bed and read me a story <laughs> my favourite well I say, I say favourite probably unfavourite lyric was when whatever his name is was doing that rap and he said whether come you're, on, whether you're white, on. black, brown, Puerto Rican or Haitian it don't matter who you are we're a hip hop nation <laughs> just Christ, Puerto Rican or Haitian <laughs> <laughs> Quick! What country rhymes with uh, nation? What rhymes with nation? <laughs> Work backwards. Yeah, um, it, uh, it was all right, but it, I, I do prefer Cadet Kelly. I was talking last week about how I need to find my level with these movies, and I guess my level is yeah. Cadet Kelly. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, Rob, what were your initial thoughts? Sorry. Dude, it doesn't get much better. I thought this sucked. Like, I, I really didn't like this at all. I mean, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was terrible, because I'm I'm a little bit the opposite of Andy. The R and B stuff from just around the turn of the millennium, I'm quite nostalgic for because it was on a lot of the first like now compilation CDs. Yeah. They were like my first introduction to like contemporary pop yeah, music. I'm happy so, to leave that behind. But it really <laughs> reminded me, you know, it's kind of like that kind of like Latin infused, like you've got the acoustic guitar, you've got like the the stabbed pianos that are, you know, like you get in um, Hit Me Baby One More Time where you get the and you've got loads of those and you, and you also get it in Bye 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 by NSYNC. That kind of stuff. But it's like, it really leans heavy on that kind of like post TLC, post like on Vogue or In Vogue, I forget how you pronounce their name, like, it, that kind of brand of R&B where it was, like, Destiny's Child mm. and it, and sort of, like, the stuff that... Um, it, like I say, the stuff that TLC were doing um, and the stuff that was kind of done by NSYNC and a bit by the Backstreet Boys and by a little bit by Britney Spears and he's kind of making a little bit of a revival now but in a completely different way. But beyond it being, like, a time capsule of that kind of music kind of struggled with this for the same reasons that Jake and Andy did. I didn't like any of the characters and I don't mind um, what is it? Galleria? That's one played by Raven. Yeah, Yeah, Raven. I'm, I'm going to call her Raven. That's much easier. Um, oh, she's so... she's credited as Raven. Oh, I thought I, I, I noticed that in the, when the credits. <laughs> that's what she's credited Raven. as in uh, That's So Raven as well. Yeah. She went by her, like just her first name as her, like, like Beyonce, I guess. Here's the thing. Um... Here's the thing. There's a very famous queen from Drag Race called Just Raven. 
I wonder if those two have ever had any kind of copyright issues or like any kind of you know how you can't like if you're in an actors union you have to have a different you can't have like mm. like David Tennant had to change his name that's not his real name it's like you 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 can't have the same name as someone so there are two ravens mm. that's so raven yeah but one's a drag queen yeah. so you know <laughs> uh, and but yeah I was wondering it's funny you should mention Beyonce because I was wondering whether this film was written by a big Destiny's Child fan who was Cheetalicious kind of that Beyonce went solo Cheetalicious every time they said Cheetalicious it just made me think of Cheetos my body's too Cheetalicious <laughs> for you babe but I do wonder if this was written by someone who was like anti Beyonce and that they saw that like everything that Beyonce was doing was really big headed and stuff. But like the problem is that I don't mind the fact that Raven's character is an arsehole because that's the plot, that's the purposes of the film. Yeah, yeah she, you know, she's uh, as that woman says at the end, she has a big head and a big mouth and like and like I mean the line that really bothered me about that little bit was when she says she's got a really big heart as well and I'm like, no, she fucking doesn't. I know she's been no, a she bitch at all. like throughout most of this, especially the like. After the first third, she's a bitch to everyone. Like she's not going to pick her. Yeah, she hasn't demonstrated really that. But um, the th- the problem I had is that I don't mind Raven being difficult with everybody and like being really big headed and like this that and whatever. But it's the problem is that all of the characters who are in opposition to her are just as spoiled and just as bratty and just as moany and complainy and like it it suffers from something that I've now just decided to call center of attention writing, where like. I don't know why, but, like, it's like a centre-of-attention fantasy, this film, where it's like, if your dog goes missing, the whole... Oh, my God, how weird was that? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was an odd turn. It's but, just like, a dog. dog like, missing, I love dogs, but, yeah. like, it's just a dog in a hole. This is New York. People don't stop if they're going to hit you New in the York, car. Maybe New York, not that big of a city in 2003. Oh, come on, wasn't that long ago? <laughs> but, you know, this is know. New York. Like, people will run you over if you step in the street. Like, it's not a nasty city, but come on. People are busy. They're not going to stop for a dog in a hole. That's not in any real danger. <laughs> and as, as you were, as you brilliantly pointed out, no, that is something I completely missed in that final scene until they did the um, until they did the song where she was saying, "If you notice, where you sort of went, if, so if you notice, they've all turned up out of the blue in matching outfits." <laughs> I know, I noticed that as well. Yeah, they, they came ready. Yeah, and they won the that's talent that, show. Classic, they, um... they won the talent show despite not actually being in the talent show. <laughs> yeah. Like they just kind of had that's it beamed they were into, on TV. yeah, they got beamed into the audience, and then but that's when it really struck me that this was like center of attention writing, where like Raven appears on the news and she's like, "It's my dog, I want my dog, give me my dog," <laughs> and then they do the song and like. But the problem for me is that none of the characters actually learn anything. No, they just, is, they just yeah. they get what they want because yeah. this was this just, was my yeah. big big problem with the film is that. At no point did they face any challenges that they had to conquer, other than them falling out with each other, which, you know, that's just like, okay, teenagers fall out, that's a thing that happens, I've not got huge sympathy for you there. It's like, they go to the talent show auditions, hey, you're in, and also, here's a record producer, just so happens to be here. And then, so they go to see the record producer, hey, you've got a record deal, and one of you didn't even have to be in the room, let's not even discuss what's in the deal, here's the contract. And then it's like, oh, let's go to the talent show doesn't matter that you're all outside rescuing a dog you didn't even attend the talent show but you're the unanimous winners like nobody yeah, had to just, conquer any challenges and it I just like thought, all the it, it feels yeah. like all the growth that cadet kelly made was for nothing if she could have been in this film <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she probably all knows them she's she from new york through, all that mud that she had to all that mud that she had to climb through and crawl through and it's like and then these guys are just like brats and they win i like it's to just, imagine that these are kelly's friends who she had to leave behind that they went to the same school i like to imagine that this is all taking place in a <laughs> cadet kelly shared universe and we can would you know 
we're comparing this Sorry, unfavorably in terms of character growth to Cadet Kelly, but let's not forget Cadet Kelly's not exactly the epitome of character growth. Like she's got <laughs> no, the, no, the no, simplest like, I mean, character arc like ever. In house, like... Yet somehow this one ends up doing a less good yeah. job. No, it feels like you, you never really get off to a good start if you're asking me to sympathize with characters who's like sole purpose in life seems to be to want butlers, maids, limousines, <laughs> ice, money, and it just, I don't, it's just, they ma- it makes them all seem really, unlike... But it can work. Unless like, you're the foster that, girl who needs the yeah. money to live. But, and the plus that can work oh, if you like if yeah. you put them to a comical extreme but have them then earn it and become likeable. Or like, learn like, that money isn't everything. The best example of this I always think of is Legally Blonde where you have a comically unlikable character as a protagonist, yeah. but you learn to love her throughout the film because she actually works hard and, and she has a personality. What she gets and she has an interest in personality. Legally Blonde is a banging film, by the way. And yeah. that's, that's a good example yeah, of how you can take a character that's completely unlikable and make them likeable. This doesn't do anything to justify it. I just think it's like you have to learn to like them because you're spending 90 minutes with them, so you might as well like them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so true. Hi, we're Jake and Andy from Rebel Chums, and you're, you're listening, listening to our Disney Channel original season. I'll say it now: this is the worst of the Cheetah Girls films, in my opinion. Oh, they that's a relief. That's a relief. That's good. Um, obviously, they go to Spain in the next one. Oh, when in Spain, <laughs> and, then, and then India in the third one. So really? when do they go I'm to the really, moon? Really, I'm really worried about that third one. Well, like... the, the India one. Yeah, it's uh... not. It's not awful. Did he go to Spain so they can finally get the capers for the dad? <laughs> <laughs> He's Italian. Oh, he is isn't Italian. Isn't is it? it something to do with the mum who's Spanish? Is that why they go to Spain? No. No. Did he just, did yeah. he just go to Spain? That's a missed opportunity. That yeah, is a missed opportunity. <laughs> anyway, no. Compared to how long ago did you say it was since you've seen this? Probably at least ten years. So how 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 has your opinion changed this time around, if at all? It is it is worse than I remember. I still not bad. I would put it above Cadet Kelly. I think it's better than Cadet Kelly. Um, gonna let gonna great. let that I hang like there. <laughs> <I disagree. laughs> I'm 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 mostly with you on the music. I like I the music. Yeah. The music's great. The music does get better in yeah. the next. I don't I don't mind the music in this one. I think it's and fine. More... It's just Andy who has a hatred yeah. for R and B. Well, they're more musical tunes in the next couple, so mm. that's something to look forward to. Um, yeah, Gallery is really annoying. She's not in the third film. <laughs> really, the main character <laughs> yeah. isn't in it. She's not in the third film. No, she's in the second. What film. happens to her? Does she just You'll become see. too famous? Maybe, oh my maybe, god, does maybe. she die in Spain? <laughs> when in I Spain? Think head explodes. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all those ideas and untapped potential. No, I make Rob tell the story right. <laughs> does she fall down a hole and the whole of New York comes to rescue her? And it's maybe, unsuccessful. Maybe maybe she's Dorothy in the next Wizard of Oz, considering her dog's named Toto. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit yeah, on the nose, calling the dog Toto. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I liked it. I. I do you remember it being better as a kid? And I'm kind of disappointed that it actually isn't that great. Aww, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> it's all right. It's going to happen. It's going to happen with a lot of the films we watch, I imagine. Um, yeah. What do you enjoy about it? The music. I quite like the story. I like how you're kind of double bluffed with the record deal because um, once Galleria leaves, you don't know whether the girls have taken it or not. And you just assume that they have. Yeah. I mean, I, I never really had any doubt that they hadn't but 
again, you know, you know they were considering it. it <laughs> we're not the audience, you know. If this is for kids, I can see how they would be fooled, you know, that mm. maybe they had. Um, yeah, because life's so unfair yeah. when you're a child. <laughs> I think, by the way, um, this whole thing of you have to be authentic and not take these child star deals to join up and like Gosh. be paid to lip sync. Disney Channel, I've got some brass neck making a film. I know. Like that. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I feel like this film is made so Disney can turn around and go, look, we don't do that because we hate it so much we made a film the, about how awful it is to do that. The irony filter was <laughs> off the charts. It was crazy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, so- solid film all round, I think. Probably wouldn't watch this one again. I'd probably skip to the second. Well, when in Spain. Sorry, I'm just going to keep yeah, saying that. But... <laughs> <laughs> Gotta see how many times you can drop it into the whole, into the whole series. <laughs> Leave it with me, I promise. Okay. I mean, yeah, favorite characters. God, come back to me on this one. I don't know. I'll give you. I'll give you. My I'll give you character my... doesn't seem to have a name. Oh. Your favorite character. Well, I've, I've given him a name based on what's said before he appears every time, and it's just schedule. Oh, that guy. My, the guy. Oh, my, 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 my favorite character is schedule. No, no um, Jackal's no, my, assistant my actual... who gives him a schedule thing. What is it like an Apple Newton or something? Like PDA type. Yeah, thing, it'll be a PDA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my, my actual favorite character is um, is it Dorinda? Dorinda. Dorinda. Which one's Dorinda? Dorinda's the foster kid. Who okay. should have been the protagonist of yeah. this movie? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. She's yeah. the only kid in the whole film who has to face any kind of hardship. Ripped opportunity there. And. And obviously, I mean, also, I don't know, like, they kind of talk about race a little bit. I feel like there's an open goal that they've missed mm. where, like, they've just not talked about. I mean, it's kind of like in the last film where it's just a bit like, you know, like, it's a girl who goes to cadets and you just kind of like, oh, it's a girl who's going to cadets or whatever. It's just another cadet. And I feel like they tried to do the same in this one, but I feel like it's harder to ignore because, like, one of them's poor and she doesn't know her identity and... She has a foster mum, and I feel like there's your movie. Yeah, yeah. Like she's part of this. She's part of this girl group, and the main leader of the group only sees her as a backup dancer. But she has a lot more to offer. Yeah, and she can prove it in the talent show. It feels like it was maybe an afterthought, like making her a foster kid. It was just yeah, like, oh, we it, need something interesting in, about like, this character. I don't think it was necessarily we need something interesting about this character, but we need something interesting about any of the characters. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was, I, I, one of these characters has got to have something good about them, and that her backstory was the only one that at all that intrigues me throughout this entire thing because you've got yeah. um, you've got Raven slash. Gabriella slash Gal- Gal- Galleria, Galleria, <laughs> who I just don't sympathise with at all because she's just got a mum that's trying to get give her the, what she wants in life and she's obsessed about it. Yeah, um, she's a stage mum. Yeah. yeah. Um, but by the way, <laughs> the mum is some of the worst acting I've ever seen. <laughs> Um, a lot of the mums in these films are quite bad. At least she doesn't put an apron on five minutes before dinner serves. <laughs> <laughs> so there is that. Um, and the uh, other girl, the uh, Puerto Rican girl, well, her plight is that she may have to move to Paris. Oh no, she might have to move to a lovely new city. What a shame. What about the cheetah girls? What about the cheetah girls, eh? What about the cheetah girls? And the other girl, I don't even know, the Texas one. Her thing is that she's from Texas. Well, That's no, literally her, thing her, thing. That, her thing is that she... She doesn't get attention from her mom, so she spent all her mom's money shopping, and ah, that's yeah, sort of yeah. it. That's like that's, that's, Chanel. Really that's Chanel. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's Chanel. That's Puerto Rican one. The oh, yeah. Oh, who am Aqu- I missing? Aqua. Then? from Texas is Aqua. Yeah, what, what's her backside? She's from, Texas. from Texas. That's her backstory. Oh, was she the hot sauce one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the hot sauce. Oh, one. She's the Southern yeah. Belle. Too many characters. <laughs> so, um, 
Like, yeah. I don't care about those three at all, but the other one, like, I saw her cleaning up the thing and I was like, oh, she she looks like she has an interesting story. Why why aren't we focusing more on her? Yeah, but... I, I have a genuine, like, point of confusion with this. I don't know whether it's just it was really overreacted and over the top, or whether I don't know, but like, you know that moment where she talks to Chi Chi uh, about the fact that she is a foster cat child and they, like, and they and they, like, cry and hug it out yeah. and stuff. Is she learning that for the first time? Because it seems like they didn't even... Because she overreacts so much to, like, oh, my God, I feel so sorry for you. You're a foster child. It's like, did you yeah. not know this already? Like, no, I, I genuinely didn't. This don't... was her revealing it. That, so, they, yeah. right, yeah, that wasn't clear to me. How can you be best friends secret. with someone and not know that? Well, they're not best... I, she I'm... kept it... I think it's more to do with her keeping it a secret. But how than... can you not... I mean, schools are small places. How, how do you not know that about a school friend? Well, I don't think they were all best friends. I think it was Galleria and Chanel that were yeah, best friends they, first, they... and then they needed more people for the band. Yeah, because there's that whole thing at the start yeah. where, like... Oh, God, there's that hideous scene where she... I mean, obviously, in uh, in current times, it seems very sensible, but back, you know, in 2003, where there weren't worldwide pandemics, when she she wipes the taxi door handle because ooh the paws might have touched it, and Ugh. she won't use the subway because ooh poor people use it. And like, I, I'm not supposed. How am I supposed to like these people <laughs> that they won't touch the subway? Like Jesus! But like when she gets into that cab and it's just Chanel and Raven who are left, they do have yeah. that whole conversation. I, about I, I actually oh, we only just need backup dancers. And that scene yeah. is one of my favorite scenes in the film because I just think it's quite natural, and I think the child actors actually do a really good job of acting in that bit, where they're just walking down the street and they're talking about each other's lives, and they're having a bit of a laugh, and you learn about them. And it's so cheesy because I don't think one of them says a single sentence without the word "girl" in it. Um, but, but you know, you actually learn a bit about the characters, and it's quite nice, and it seems quite natural. So I like that scene. Those scenes reminded me very much of Spice World, which is a film. One of those films I know is bad, but I have such a soft spot for it. It's a very similar type of film, actually, where like most of it is just set pieces to see the Spice Girls perform, uh, and like little comedy sketches in between. But they have these moments where they're like they're all given their like a little perfunctory plot, like where one of them like misses home, and one of them like is thinking of leaving and stuff like that. And they get their five minutes where they get to like cry on each other's shoulders and do a bit of acting, and it really <laughs> reminded me of that. But uh, Spice World, I guess, is not a very favourable comparison. I mean, I love it, but I know that it's not very good. Hi, I'm Rob from Rebel Chums. And you're listening to our Disney Channel original season. So, in terms of favourite characters, um, my favourite character is the dad. Because, does he ever get his capers? I liked him, and he had the best line in the film as well. Which was the, no one's ever ready for their dreams to fall apart, but yeah. if we fall apart when she's older, we won't be there to pick her up. Well, uh, I mean, how, how really old are they? Ex- that line. Like, at what yeah. point are they expecting to die? Because hopefully she'll be around. <laughs> when, like, when she's 60, she might still have a parent. So at which point, hopefully she's accomplished her dreams. And um, plus, like, if she wants to go off and have a record deal, she already lives in New York. She might as well just stay living at home, save on the rent. Like, she doesn't really need to go anywhere, does she? Like, I know, all these kids live in fucking New York, for yeah. crying out loud. In Manhattan, no, no less. Of, like, the best bit of New York. Um, but, rather than talking about my favourite character, I'd like to take a moment to talk about my least favourite character. <laughs> okay. Because, despite the girls being really annoying, none of them will top the horribleness that is what 
what is essentially the Harvey Weinstein of the Cheetah Girls production, Jackal, the creepiest man, uh, he's horrible. Ex- who preys yeah. preys on small girls in high schools when they do auditions on stage and gets them to come into his office so he can sign deals with them and like and there's that scene where they're doing the record deal and all the girls are like standing around him giggling like going, <laughs> yeah, there are, it's just, yeah there it's are just there are undertones so, in that scene so yeah. creepy it's not aged brilliantly I mean the thing with that is that he's a slightly less annoying stereotype of a record producer than someone who actually turns up in a goddamn Sopranos episode. Like, there's a there's an episode in the first season of The Sopranos which is called A Hit Is A Hit and it's probably the worst episode of the whole show and it's just they get Burkeen Woodbine in to play, like, the most offensive caricature of, like, a pimp slash record producer called Massive Genius <laughs> who wears, like, purple hats and he's got like a cane and you can see his teeth all the time and he owns like a mansion and he's and oh god it's this whole stupid side plot about how Chris tries to sign this really really dreadful post grunge band the the whole story the storyline on paper is a little bit less stupid than something that turns up in an actual Sopranos episode but that's more to do with how naff I think that storyline is than how good this one is better this one is than the Sopranos episode but it does have that going for it but it just it's just the way that he turns up in like the floppy shell suit with like the seven chains around his neck and the <laughs> the, the sort of Gareth Gates hairdo that oh, men were God. doing around that time where it's like you have that the little, look the little, where it's like little gelled bits so shaved yeah. and they've got little gel bits I mean I was trying to work out whether they were gonna they were trying to like pull Simon off some kind of visual Venus. thing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's very similar to Simon from the Inventories as well. Um, well, I, I, I wondered for a second whether they were doing a whole deal with the devil Robert Johnson thing with like the pointy hair, but like I don't think I it mean, cares that much. I think about he is. I think he is intentionally gross. I think he is supposed to yeah. come across as very seedy and like slimy, horrible. Yeah. I think that's intentional. I don't think it's just like a bad stereotype, but like. Again, these these films are for kids. You have to draw things in pretty broad strokes. You know, it's because the idea of a record deal, you know, you would think is a good thing. So I think they have to make it really obvious that this is not, in fact, a good thing. You know, that it is a deal with the devil. He is a gross character. Um, they possibly take it a little bit too far because it makes all the girls just seem blinded by the money because there's no way they could possibly Well, like I mean, that they guy. are blinded by the money. Yeah, but the like, entire motivation of these girls is to get rich as quickly as possible. But it's not like yeah. it's not like he's a charming character who makes them think, oh yeah, this will be fun. Like, he's, he's a creep. There's no way they could possibly like him, so it's just all about the money. But they don't... Do they try and present him as a creep? Because when he first comes in, he like has that reaction, that interaction with the teacher. He's like, oh, look, it's my best pupil. And he's like, yeah, I like to come back and walk the old... The hallways of my old school I every now and again. Alarm my roots. bells. Like, alarm like, bells. <laughs> <laughs> there are alarm bells in terms of him coming into a school to look at little girls dancing, um, but also to say the least. The way the that the least. way that it's scripted doesn't highlight that because I don't think the people scripting this are aware that that comes across as creepy. They're trying to mm-hmm. make him seem as like just a normal record producer instead, but he is very creepy. Um, there's no escaping that nowadays. Yeah. So he's my least favorite character, and my favorite That's character right. is Dad, Italian Dad, Mamma Mia. I, I don't really have a favorite character other than I've forgotten her name again, the foster child. Uh, Dorinda. 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 Uh, that was that was Rob's favorite. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't really have any other one. The dog. Um, 
No. It dances. Oh, yeah. It dances when she sings a song. My least favourite character, just because <laughs> I thought the character was just trying to serve five purposes at once, was, I can't even remember his name, the guy who was in the talent show competition... The one with a long hair, yeah. with, who were suddenly oh, the end the white, up having the, a romance. The white rapper. What was his name? Derek, I think. I mean, for starters, is he a rapper or is he a rock star? The film never makes its mind up. That was an odd jump for me, yeah. where, like, he was very much... I mean, okay, you know, people like Lil Wayne exist, where, you know, he's a rapper who plays a guitar, but, like, it it was a bit odd, that, that, like, he was a DJ, he was an MC, and, he, like, they did the whole classic setup where it was, like, the classic boom-bap setup where it was, like, you know, and I'm actually going to... Shout out to my DJ, which is something that rap well DJs have kind of been out of fashion since the nineties because they had to start paying loads of money for copyright and samples and stuff like that. But back in like the late eighties, when sort of like the, the sort of like mid to early eighties and a bit towards the late eighties as well, where you would have your classic MC DJ setup, I appreciated that, and you'd do shout outs to your DJ, and that kind of stopped happening. And so that was a nice kind of return. Well, yeah, but nice that, that would be good if the rap wasn't totally um, awful. And also, if yeah, he did, if the yeah. rest of the film, he's all about like, oh, real music man, real instruments. So that doesn't really fit with him DJing and rapping. Not not to put it down, but you know, for a teenager who's got that kind of attitude, they normally into rock wouldn't music. wouldn't be into rap. Normally yeah, into rock music, which he is for the rest yeah. of the film. He likes playing guitar. And then he and turns piano up playing and the guitar, and he's like shredding. And so, and it, oh, I mean, so it's not just that; it's also the fact that he's sort of a love interest. He's also sort of a rival, but he's also sort of like her mentor. Like he gives her good advice at the end. It's like yeah. Jesus, separate these characters out. Let's make more Who than one person guys? here. So, he serves too many purposes. So not only do these producers not understand what creepy is in characters, they also don't understand musical cliques. Well, exactly. Yeah, the, the, the rapping kids and the rock star kids in the noughties were like opposite spectrums. Pop fell yeah. somewhere in the middle. No one was into rap and rock. Like. Not as kind of like... At least not when you were a teenager. The, 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 no. the, the, the kids who were into rock were into Eminem and nobody else. Exactly. They might yeah. have been into Wu-Tang, but that's a big push. Like, they, they, they were the sort of people that... He, you know, at first he kind of strikes you as the kind of person who would walk around going, rap, more like crap. Yeah. And then later on in the film he's doing rap and he has a DJ friend. And then he, then they do that moment where he's on top of the cars and like the, the film kind of says, it's all right, you can fancy this guy, it's fine. When he does like the whole the shredding sequence, and then it they move from that shredding sequence right into R and B, and it's a I, I tell you what it's a hell of an amalgamation of styles. Well, I like, think it, it I, really I is. think like, this generally gives the film the feeling that all music is the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> and it just treats it all as the same thing. And it's like, well, they they rap and that's some music, and he plays guitar, that's music as well. I Let's mean, throw that in there. To be fair, I don't think this is an intentional message of the film, but the idea that like there's no such thing as authenticity. Play what you want to play. Stop judging people for the type of music. And if you want to take that million dollar contract to lip sync, you do it and don't be judged. Like, if that was the message of the film, I would be totally on board with it because I hate snobbishness. I kind of like that. I was... But I don't think that's intentionally in the film. I think it comes out because the musical style is such a mess. I was kind of hoping that would happen. So when they got the record deal, I was hoping that the girls would be like, oh, come on, just think. It doesn't matter. It's a means to an end at the end of the day. We get our dream of being able to perform, being able to lip sync and perform music and be influential and get all the money, which is what we really want at the end of the day, is all that money. Um, and that doesn't make us any less genuine artists just because we're doing, you know, we're not necessarily writing our own music I know. or even singing our own songs. We're still a pop group. I know. Like, we... If they took that message, I kind of would have been like, yeah, okay, a lot of pop groups were like that in the noughties, so it I makes know. sense. Real talk for a second, like, from someone who's, like, 
sort of grown up in musical circles, and I, I've not really attempted it myself at any point, but I've known a lot of people who've tried to make it. Like, you take those deals. Like, it's very, very naive not to. There's no it's such not, thing as selling out. There's no such thing as selling out, absolutely not. Anyone who thinks there is such a thing as selling out has never actually tried to do it, because there's no other way. Like, the people who make it otherwise are, like, one in ten million. And, yeah, I, I get that it is, like, obviously not trying to make any kind of serious points about that, but I just thought, take the damn money. You've got an incredible chance here. Go for it. And these are, like, they've not even graduated high school yet, and they've already been offered a record deal. Like... Why would they say no to this? And ironically, the actors don't say no to this because they are doing the exact same thing for Disney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do wonder about that. Um, who was yours? Probably Dorinda as well, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. She's the only likeable character throughout. Yeah. I feel like she's the only person who is in actual opposition to the people who are very bratty. Yeah. Yeah, because she's she got a reason like... to be upset. The yeah, others don't. Yeah. To, to go for that dream as well. Mm. Apart Ooh. from just... And there was a bit that really ran up my spine in the wrong direction, oh. where, like, the way that Chanel makes Dorinda feel better about the fact that she's a foster kid who might have been excluded from the band, is to, which is why I asked you to clarify, is that she gives her a really expensive coat. Yeah. She's like, oh, yes, um, I validate you by giving this very expensive item of clothing. Which I, I hereby knight you as a cheetah girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we're all in uh, sort of in agreement that it, you know this, this is justice for Dorinda and that she needs her own spin-off, and uh, or, or a prequel or an origin story, and we find out who a real and also a better and... name. Hi, I'm Jake from Rebel Chums, and you're listening to our Disney Channel original season. Continuing that, continuing that theme from Cadet Kelly, where there are. Far more interesting characters in the background who should have been the real protagonist. Like, I've forgotten her name now, and I feel so bad for forgetting Stone. it. Major, Cadet Major, whatever her name was. I'm Jennifer so- Stone. Stone. Yes! Well remembered! Yes. <laughs> Cadet Major Jennifer Stone, to me, was the more interesting character in Cadet Kelly. And in this one, Dorinda is the real protagonist. The other theme I've noticed is hopeless parents. Parents who don't know what they're doing and are constantly, like, not understanding how to talk to their kids and stuff. Like, is that in every one of these films? <laughs> Not that I can remember. I think that's kind of the point. Oh, I'm sure the, it is. I'm sure it is. The but parents are just it. kind of yeah. like dumb. And oh, parents! I d- I what think do they that, know? That trope kind of falls out very quickly throughout the films. Like, mm. I, I don't think that's a big. Well, thing. Well, High School Musical. High school the musical parents aren't even a thing, really, are they? They're, yeah, they're in it very briefly. Well, he's the basketball not... coach, isn't he? Troy's yeah, Troy's dad. dad's mm. the basketball coach, but that's about yeah. it. Spoilers. Yeah, I think. I'm I'm trying to be a bit more forgiving of this because like you know I feel like we I mean I judge every film by the same standards but like I feel like I'm being especially harsh because you know these aren't great films just but, to put but, it out there. I, but like I, the problem is that you know last week I did this whole thing where it was like um you know and I'm going to try and do it in every episode where mm-hmm. I try to look at it from the perspective of a, like a 12 or 13 year old person watching this and wondering what they could get out of it and in cadet kelly i appreciated it a little bit more because there are at least messages and like i was talking about how it's like you know it reinforces and goes back to like basic tenets of storytelling and it reminded me about all of the stuff that i now take for granted and want subverted and changed and stuff like that and it was nice to just kind of i mean i didn't love the film that much but it was nice to be given like a, a reminder of just like the most basic elements of storytelling and how a story works and you know 
etc. Whereas in this, I was really trying to do a what's in it for kids section, and I feel like in Cadet Kelly, it was, so what if you're not totally gifted? If you work really hard, you'll earn the respect of your peers, and you'll be able to succeed that way. Whereas in this film, it just feels like if you're a spoilt brat who's naturally talented, people will just bow at your feet forever and ever and ever, and you just win. And <laughs> the, the only real conflict in your life is that your dog might fall down a hole for 20 minutes. <laughs> to be honest, and, and, but all of New York will help you find it, so is that really yeah, a bad and thing? It just, I just feel like it, uh, it, from the right from the beginning, I, I, knew, I knew after about 20 minutes in this film when it was clear that there was no real conflict in any of the main no. characters' Well, there isn't even a real villain. But I wasn't going to like it that much. I, so I think but... that's a big ingredient. I think both Cadet Kelly and Cheetah Girls, both films need a villain. And look, let's, not, not every film needs an antagonist at the end of the day. And some of the best films don't have antagonists and make conflict from within themselves and from within the characters. But it's just easier if you do have an antagonist. But it is, especially for a kid's, like a film that is intended for kids. Like, yeah. just have a villain. Have the um, record guy be, like... Lean into the slimy and make him I think an awful he's kind guy. Of the villain. Well, yeah, I think he's meant to be the villain, but it doesn't come off very well because he's kind of uh, praised at the beginning and then not. And yeah, it's quite. It's, I mean, and maybe they feel like it's a deliberate. Is it? Is it a twist? He's just an is industry guy. Do? He's just an industry guy, though, isn't he? He's a cog in yeah. the wheel of the industry. I don't. It's think not he like can. he's trying to force a girl to do something you don't want to do. He's always saying to them, "Well, if you don't want to, then that's fine. Go." leave and we'll just not give you this record deal that's not villainy that's just like offering them something and if they say no it's like yeah okay then. i don't think it's a, i don't think it's a twist i think it's so clearly signposted i mean that's the whole reason the mum is attending all the meetings because she's so sure that he's going to yeah. turn out to be a bad guy i don't think that's a twist at all really i think it's like just sort of the way i expected it to go I think I think in terms of themes, Nor hit the nail bang on the head at the beginning, where you would say you very quickly listed off the themes, and it's just that to be honest. It's like friendship, and what was he said? Like power, being, friendship, being true to yourself, being true to yourself yeah. following your dreams, following your dreams, and feminism. <laughs> but with the exception of feminism, which is always nice to see, like the others, it's it's very generic themes. Really, I, I, yeah. I would I would say that this one leans a little bit more into um, like girly girl stereotypes compared to Cadet Kelly. Yeah, Which I think is... the point of this film was maybe... I guess they they probably made this with the idea that they'd finish the whole series, because obviously it was books beforehand. Hmm. Um, and maybe this was just the film to kind of introduce you to the Cheetah Girls. I mean, it doesn't do a good job of that either, to be fair. Um, but maybe it was more like... Maybe there wasn't meant to be a big like antagonist or like big plot, really. It was more about getting to know them. Yeah, and like but that's what you do with the dynamic. That's what you do at the start of a good film is you get to know the characters, know, yeah. <laughs> and then you put them in a conflict after that. Yeah. Like there's mm. there's just not there is conflict here, but it's just there's not much of it. It's and, a bit tame, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Cadet Kelly gets away with not having an obvious antagonist throughout the whole film because the antagonist is the Cadet School, and it's about. Like her, the conflict she has to overcome. I mean, that's. I mean, I was listening to this um, really good um, interview with uh, Matt Weiner. You know, the guy who um, wrote and created Mad Men. Hey, there we go. Oh, there's a Mad Men reference. I was waiting for that. (laughs) Well, um, he was basically saying, and it's he put it in terms that I've never really properly thought about before. But when he said it, it made perfect sense, which is that plot is a problem to solve, and like that. That's it. Most plots just come from problems to solve. Yeah. And Whereas there wasn't really a problem in this that needed solving. Until about half of the way through. When they which broke is up, just yeah. that when they break up. Otherwise it's just 
little bits of things. Yeah. And then and the dog whereas in Cadet problem. Kelly, the, oh, yeah, with the dog, <laughs> but like in Cadet Kelly, even though I felt like the plot kind of bumped into each other every 20 minutes or so, the overarching pro- problem that that film was was that she needed to adapt to cadet school. Yeah. Which I got. And it made sense because then you knew that with all of these little micro plots kind of changing every 10 minutes, you knew that there was at least a bigger kind of overarching overarching thing going on. Whereas with this, it just feels a little bit like, I I don't know, it just, all the characters are just kind of like super talented. You know what it is? Uh, You know what, I think, I think I understand what you're trying to say here, Rob. And um, the way that I see it is that unless you were, um, what's her name? The Foster Curra girl. Foster girl. Yeah, Dorinda. Dorinda. Unless you're her, <laughs> there, there is a plot here, but the stakes for the plot going wrong, for the girls not not overcoming the problem that they have to solve, the stakes are really low. Like I thought the that, worst, that was actually a thought yeah, I had in my the head. Absolute, the stakes are really low The absolute here. worst case scenario for these girls is that they break up and their lives are just normal lives. Like, they live in New York and they still have good parents. And, like, the the, the worst-case scenario is that the girls don't get what they want, which well, is a lot of money in a record and, deal. And <laughs> That's the worst-case scenario well, for, for most of the yeah, film. For almost all of the films, splitting up is not even on the cards. Like, most of the conflict, as it is, of the film is, do you want this really awesome thing or this really awesome thing? It's like, do you want to have a record deal or do you want to win a talent show? It's like, they're both great. Like, there is no bad option there. Like... So the conflict comes from them falling out over which one of the two they want. Yeah, and the worst case scenario is that they don't get the record deal and they miss out on the talent show, which almost happens, like, at the same time. So the worst case scenario in this film, the lowest point of this film is that the characters just might have to leave normal lives and not (laughs) carry on. on. It's just just not bad. We watched the whole of Glee recently, and there's a very similar plot later on in the show where Rachel Berry, who's very similar to Galleria, actually, she's a very similar character, where she's made it big, and she's on Broadway in her dream role, but she gets offered a TV pilot, um, and she goes to the audition for the TV pilot and has to skip a Broadway show because of it. She gets fired from the Broadway show, and she doesn't get the TV pilot. So no, she does whole... get a TV pilot, oh, yeah, but it flops. Yeah. It's, like, really bad. So her whole career is permanently destroyed. That's the end of her, and she has to spend the last season trying to get famous again. And it's like that was actually good. Yeah, like she had genuine consequences. And you know what? That was yeah. that was also good because um, the character's lowest low of them, like you know, losing their career and not having to lead a normal life. It was good because the the driving factor of um, Rachel in Glee is that she is so passionate about music and theatre and what she does. These girls aren't passionate about music. They just want a lot of money. Yeah, they're passionate so, about making like, money. If yeah. they could go, the, they could go the route of like having the emotional low of the girls breaking up, and like that 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 would seem more risky if the girls were really passionate about being a girl group and really wanted to make good music and really cared about that. Like, if there was any emotional connection to what their goal is, and the, there would be emotional devastation to not achieving that goal. But there isn't, because there's no emotional attachment to it. It's just, they want to be friends and they want to earn a lot of money. So when they don't do that, it's like, oh, well, we'll just have to, you know, do something else with our lives. That's the mm. worst case scenario. And it's just not that... And they don't care that much about the musical aspects of it, so it just doesn't matter that much if it didn't happen. Yeah, there's something I can't quite square in my head, which is that they're all very... The other three girls are very irritated that... Raven takes all the credit for writing the song. Galleria, Rob. And it means... <laughs> yeah, and it means that it's not... 
their music, and then when they get given a deal where it's not their music, they also reject Well, they don't, that. because they're actually all up for taking it, because they don't write their own music anyway, and it's only yeah. Ga- Ga- Gariello. Galleria. 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 <laughs> Isn't that one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> it's only, it's only, it's only <laughs> Galleria that has an issue with it, um, and part of the reason for that is... Because she, well, she's saying it's because she wants, she wants to be genuine and authentic. When in reality, the other girls see it as, and I see it as, she's lost control of the musical writing process. And because she doesn't have control, she's annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. It, Whereas the I other mean, girls never had control, so they're fine with the record deal from the very start. Yeah. Because they had no musical writing control in the first place. So they've not lost anything. They're just gaining well, a record deal. She always deal. saw herself as the, the leader of the group, didn't she, when no one really elected her as the leader? Exactly. She's kind of just like made herself the leader of the group. Which, yeah. which is a bit of an odds with how she is with Chi-Chi at the very beginning, where they're both really pally and they seem like they would like, you know, the equals in creating the girl group. Yeah. And they're talking about how they're equals and about how they've only brought on these two girls recently and about how much better the band is because they brought on those other two girls. So they come across as equals, and then suddenly she decides, nah, bitch, this is my band, I made it, I'm having it, it's mine. That, that little plot point is so random, I don't see what that point contributes what? to anything. The fact that it was the two of them and now it's the four, they mentioned that at the very beginning, yeah, and like that's going to be a point of significance, no. and it just doesn't matter at all. No. I think all that all that does is just show that Galleria and Chanel are just best friends. Besties. They're the best like, friends the of the The other two are kind of irrelevant. For like for the moment anyway, and it's only until like the end of the film that like they consider themselves as a proper group, I guess. Oh, maybe that's maybe that's the story. Talking about, <laughs> I love well, that you yeah. have to figure that out. <laughs> Talking maybe a little that's... bit about <laughs> character traits and stuff. That reminds me, there's a there's a bit just after they've done the talent show audition where the teacher comes up to him and is like, "You remind me of this, and you remind me of this," and then she goes to the white girl whose name I forget. Um, Dorinda. Foster Dorinda. <laughs> oh my god, do you want to write them down? The Foster Seriously. Girl. Um, and she goes, You remind me. And she goes, Go on, say it. Everybody does. Everybody hates me. And it's like, What? Do they? Do we? Yeah. <laughs> like, I I she was know. quite nice. I thought she was fine. Why Why does everyone in this school hate her? And that's never followed up on. And it's Maybe like. She's, she's immediately insecure because she's a foster kid or Maybe. something. But yeah, but like, let's. She has this feeling of being unloved by grown ups. Let's have. Let's see this insecurity, like, play out in school. Like. You know, have, let's see have some kids baby. bully her a bit. Yeah, like, let's see her at any point in the film be rejected by anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, have kids go up to her, up to the other girls and be like, why is she in your Cheetah Girls band? Why did yeah. you let her come in? She's such a skank sort of thing. Like, show, show don't tell. Show don't tell. Yeah. Like, don't have her sit there and go, everyone says that I'm a rubbish person, so just go on, say it. Say I remind you of a rubbish version of you. It's like, actually, no, you remind me of a version of me that can dance. It's like, well, well we're all good then, aren't we? I will offer up a slight defense of the low stakes. Go on. Which is that when you're in high school, the idea of your life staying the same probably does feel like hell. And all you do want to do is be famous and rich and achieve your dreams and stuff. So, like, I can kind of see it tapping into that. But I just feel like all the lessons it teaches are just the worst ones about, like, materialism and greed and selfishness and being really big-headed and being really arrogant and being like, oh, I'm the leader of my friend's group and I'll only have to lose them for 10 minutes. Then if my dog goes missing, then they'll all just come and help me and we'll win a talent show, and you know, of which there only seem to be two contestants. And, I, and only <laughs> yeah, one of them performed. <laughs> 
the comedian. Oh, the comedian. Rob, I would agree with your uh, defense of the low stakes if these girls were 10 years old. Because when you are 10 years old, all you care about is being rich and famous. But when you're a teenager, you start to develop like hopes and dreams and passions and personalities. Well. <laughs> especially, especially surrounding music, of all things. Like We all know how powerful music can be when you're a teenager and how attached to it and how passionate about it you can become Like when you're that age. None of those girls display any of that. Like They literally just want to get rich. But like, it, is, it, it is sort of like yeah. that when you're in high school. There are a lot of people who, you know, it see music or any kind of the arts as the quickest way to achieving fame. It is like that but, in high school. Right, so why why isn't High School Musical like that then? Like, well, the, I, I, that's why High School the driving Musical... Force, the driving force for High School Musical, where the characters are allegedly the same age, is that they have, like, Troy is really good and really talented in musicals, and he likes doing it, and he's passionate about doing it. It doesn't come from him wanting to be rich and famous. It comes from him wanting to, like, having a passion for doing something and doing it, and that's where the conflict comes from. I haven't seen High School Musical, but mm. I imagine High School Musical is like... It could be you. Like, it's a kind of aspirational film, whereas yeah. this is like, these girls are better than you. <laughs> so, and, uh, it does yeah, feel a little yeah, bit I that way. That. Yeah. yeah. I think the problem is that it's the record contract and not the talent show that's the, like, the big deal. Mm. I, f- I feel like if the, rec- if the record label wasn't there and if it was just about winning the talent show, just like how in Cadet Kelly it was just about winning that dancing contest or whatever, not to be like, the best cadet ever like it like it was just about doing a good routine and everything i feel like that would make for a slightly more relatable and slightly more grounded movie whereas this just feels like i mean i always hate films that well not i don't hate films i always hate it when films skip through the steps of getting famous like this yeah because it feels like they've missed about seven steps whenever anybody gets famous in a movie it always feels like Wait, hang on. Two weeks ago, like, and it just, you know, bands are together for years and years and record shitty demo tapes for years and years and then they might get lucky. Yeah. yeah. If they, I mean, I mean, I'm thinking of films I've seen in recent years where you get, you know, the rags to riches story. I think A Star Is Born even skips over a few things like that mm. and even then it's about luck and circumstance because she's in a club that he just happens to wander into and he's already famous. And he happens to fall in love with her and that's how she basically yeah. gets her thing. But that's at least that is communicated in that sense that like you know it's you know just so ha- it's all it is all about fate and fortune and stuff like that whereas with this this <laughs> I'm turning into an Italian dad but um <laughs> I, no, I was you know, say these, Spain. but then Where are your capers? <laughs> it just feels a little bit like she's just talented, and oh, the the look is that like this record producer just happened to go to the same yeah. school, so, and it's just it's not really much of a link. So the steps to getting famous in this film are live in New York and have a talent show at your school. <laughs> go to a school where a record producer has been. Yeah, I wonder yeah, is it? Take I mean, of nepotism. I guess is it like that if you go to school in Manhattan? Like you probably would see celebrities everywhere. I guess wouldn't you if you went to school in Manhattan? Well, no, Manhattan's a big place. There are a lot of people there. Mm. Yeah. But no, it's true. You know, m- you know, more concentrated. Like everybody goes to Hollywood to be an actor. That sort mm. of thing. Yeah. Um. Nor do you have any like large defenses of the movie? No. <laughs> Well, no, like, why did you like it? Why did you sit there and enjoy it? I like... think I like it as part of the trilogy. Oh, are you starting to understand our defence of um, Lord am, of the I Rings? Am, I'm seeing them now. I'm seeing, I'm seeing them. <laughs> and now, now, you, now you can see into the future and we're watching these all like, why did Noor say it was good as all of a trilogy? So this is the Fellowship of the Cheetah. 
This is the first one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at least they're not just walking around in this film. That is true. <laughs> no, no, they do break into dance routines. You don't get any of those in Modern Games. No, I mean, Legolas no. comes close. <laughs> On, on, you know, with a few of his stunts. But... He's an exception. No, no and I if we have that, if we watch The Hobbit, they would break into song every now and again. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There are we're songs not, we're not the watching The Hobbit. No, I've got a question. Um, <laughs> as the only girl on the podcast, obviously, obviously, this is the person we should ask. Really, obviously, like we were saying before, Cadet Kelly is a very different type of character and a very different type mm-hmm. of film in that she earns it, and it's not about being rich and famous. She actually learns to kind of accept being a normal person and working for what she gets and stuff like that. This film sort of does the opposite. Do you think... And we assume that Disney Channel movies are all made for, like, the same audience, but do you think that these films are, like, for different types of young girls, do you think, maybe? That's a hard one. Um, I'm not sure. I think... Maybe, yeah. Maybe, Maybe this is more for, like... I don't want to be mean, but like more materialistic. Or like girly girls, or like even. Girl, yeah, girly girls, like ones that are all about the like the dream of like being in a girl band and, and like... calling each other girl. Yeah, because well, yeah. Kelly, I feel like if you're more of a kind of like a tomboy, tomboy, almost. yeah, yeah, yeah. As a kid, yeah, I guess so. As a kid, no, when you watch these films, were these characters that you could aspire to be? No, <laughs> just a flat no. <laughs> I mean, it would have been cool to be in a girl group, but like. But you became a cadet, so you could. Oh, I thought we were talking about. The no, cheetah yeah, girls. we are no, talking no, about cheetah like, girls. Like, oh, I thought you meant across both films. <laughs> no, no, uh, cadet Kelly is like. Ah, right. Well, I wouldn't say I'd aspire to be Kelly. <laughs> like, no, I think but... she's more of a role model than any of these girls are. Though. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, Kelly's a way better role model than any of these guys. She learns um, things. Well, yeah, exactly. These guys don't learn from anything, and I feel like I never noticed that when when watching these films as a kid. It was kind of just like, oh, this is a fun film, and there's music, and a dog, and yay. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> so, the, the... I mean, you don't really consider it. No, of course. You're well, you're not a film critic when you're a child, are you? Like, you don't look at things critically like that. You just, you take them for what they are, and if you have fun yeah. along the way, then that's what matters. Well, that's the, this is the thing, right, because I keep being aware that we are not the audience for these films. And so the only way I know how to kind of find my level with this is to compare it directly with Cadet Kelly. But now I find myself thinking, actually, is this even made for the same type of kids as Cadet Kelly is? Yeah, it is. It's just... Well, it feels like this was a film made for the popular girls of schools. Like... Ooh, that rings true. Yeah, All it I see does what is you like mean, actually. All their egos, though, doesn't it? Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I think this is my issue with but it. Then it's if... not that it's like a kid's film or whatever, it's just that it gives them all the kind of worst messages about how to treat other people yeah. and how exactly. to behave. And if, but if it was, oh, any, dif- if it was any difference, would it be a film for the popular girls? Like. If you look, obviously, obviously, high school isn't actually like you know all the popular girls are just shallow little shallow bitches that just don't care about things and only want money. That's obviously not true. You know, every even kids are complex people at the end of the day. But mm. if you look at like you know high school dramas and TV show, you have those popular girl cliques like that are just like groups of like the mean girls crowd sort of thing. This is like if a film was made about them, those people mm. from yeah. their perspective, yeah. and they were the center of attention. Yeah. Throughout the whole thing, yeah, yeah. that's an interesting. It, yeah, yeah. Well, if we're most, if we're, mo- yeah. I, I think getting the feeling we're sort of going around in circles a little bit. We're mostly done talking about the film. Uh, last <laughs> week we had this fun little bit where we talked about the groups we were in as kids because of Cadet Kelly. So this week I'm thinking on theme with Cheetah Girls. Who is everyone's favorite real life girl band? 
Ooh. Oh. I mean, Master Cheetah Girls. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, their music isn't. I, I didn't. Their find music it, is good. I would. I, I, would I didn't. I didn't mind Girl good. Power. I thought that was. If that had come out, two thousand and three, I feel like that would have been. What it did. Well, no, that's what I mean. Like, I, feel, I feel sorry. I feel like if it had come out in by like Destiny's Child or. Mm like Atomic Kitten or something like that. I feel like it would have charted quite well anyway. Yeah. Okay. In everywhere. In terms of girl groups, okay, so this isn't something I would have said at the time when they were big, but purely for the really catchy tunes and the absolutely wacky, insane lyrics that don't mean anything, I'd have to say Girls Aloud. I agree. I, I do love Girls Aloud yeah, because they, they have an air them. of quirkiness around them, which I very much it's like. It's almost as if the Beatles were a girl group. Oh, <laughs> like, I wouldn't go that far. Just, no. <laughs> like, the lyrics just make no sense. Like, they just they just sing things. And, and can I just say, Biology is one of the greatest pop songs ever. It's like the bohemian rhapsody of pop music. Biology is, <laughs> is like, structurally out there. Like, it's it's, you could so write cool. an essay about the weirdness of that song. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Girls Aloud for the same reasons you as well, but also I was a huge, huge Spice Girls fan as a kid. Mel C was my god. Yeah, so that's Spice Girls for me. I don't know who my favourite group is, but I mean, I did like singles by Girls Aloud. I did like singles by um, Sugar Babes. Oh, Push oh, the yeah. Button. Good I was love ne- that song. I've never liked Sugar button, Babes. Push the Button, Freak Like Me, Overload. Um, Which one's yeah, Overload? At one way ticket to a madman situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that not necessarily my favourite girl group, but my favourite song by a girl group is Pure Shores by All Saints. Yeah, I was yes. just saying, just move to Andy yeah. All Saints. I absolutely love yeah. that song. Pure Shores yeah. is an good, amazing good, good song. Good old William Orbit, great, great producer. His production has aged so well. Because um, also he did uh, Ray of Light with Madonna as well, and that's aged quite well yeah. as well. But oh yeah, that guy's very clever. But um <laughs> God, I love Yeah, that no, song. Pure Shores is excellent. I love that song. No, who's your favourite girl band? It's it's between Girls Aloud and Sugar Babes, I think. I'd forgotten mm. about Sugar Babes and Teenage. No one's yeah. seen Destiny's Child. Poor Beyonce. I don't yeah, think, I I don't think Child. there's enough yeah. of Destiny's Child. They're not really prolific no. enough. They only had four or five singles. Oh, what about the Pussycat Dolls? No, not for me. No. Spice Girls. Yeah, I've said Spice Girls. Said Spice this was my favorite. I absolutely love I them. mean, and let's face it, Steps is basically a girl group. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> and, and S Club is yeah. basically a girl group as well, because you have to, you can really take a drink every time you hear what a man sing, and you, wouldn't, and you wouldn't get very drunk. S Club Juniors and the, the song about suicide. Oh my God. Yeah, Jake pointed this out to me a few one years ago. One Step Closer ago, to Heaven. That yeah. One Step Closer by S Club Juniors can be very well read as committing suicide because your partner died. Like, every line fits with it. It's really weird. Yeah. yeah. I love Yeah. Um... I'm trying to think as well. If we're going on technicalities, if Ab- if Steps are a girl group, can ABBA technically not be a girl group after like the second album? Well, because the boys don't really sing. This does your mother know? After that, I know, but that's it. Like, but they are more heavily featured on the first two or three albums, and then it's just kind of like, oh, and then the guys go, oh yeah, we can't. Yeah, sing. but step aside. One of the men in the group wrote like all of the songs, so I would say no, I'm not. Yeah, gonna no, that. don't qualify. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, for favourite group... I'm but isn't that, is, isn't girls, that the epitome of a girl song. group? Is a group of girls singing songs written by men? <laughs> sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for favourite song, I'll go Pure Shores, and for favourite group, I'll go Spice Girls as well, Andy. I would actually possibly say the same thing above. Although Spice Girls have some songs that I just think are like pop perfection. I think... Oh, yeah. Viva Forever! Oh I my mean, God, I love I, that song. I, I can hardly... Genuinely, I can hardly think of any 
act that has had three the the first three singles such back to back bangers as Wanna Be Say You'll Be There and To Become One. I mean, whoa, yeah. what a start that is. See, the thing with Two Become One, I remember somebody saying, I don't think there's a moment in pop music more life-affirming than when Emma Bunton goes up on the one at the end where she goes, When to become one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I always used to imitate when Mel C in Too Much goes, Boy, who thinks he can? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, God, I can't believe I just recorded that. Too much. Oh. <laughs> It's bad yeah. <laughs> and if we, I, I honestly, I'd love to do Spice World on Rebel Chums. It's an amazing movie, and it's very similar to this, but I think it's better. Hi, we're Nor and Rob from Rebel Chums, and you're listening to our Disney Channel original season. Are we? Are we? Uh, have you got anything more? Oh, I have a question actually. Oh. Why can Aqua never hail a cab? <laughs> Didn't even she tries to hail a cab three times in this movie and they drive straight past her every single time. Maybe because she's a kid and she's you're not, not supposed to York. pick up kids. It's because she's not from New York. Is it because she's not from New York? Because I was wondering, is it like a whole... Are they trying to kind of quietly comment on the fact she's that black. Like, it is harder for black people to hail cabs? Oh, I don't <laughs> think so. I think, <laughs> I that's, think, that I think that's beyond <laughs> the remit of but, DCOMs, to be honest. Yeah. I think it was because she's, she's not from around there and like, she's inexperienced they don't have cabs and... in Texas, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. No, there God, is yeah, a, no. That, that, I, I, I'm primitive aware that, like, backwater state that's got like Dallas and. You know. <laughs> yeah. I am aware that there is a whole etiquette about hailing cabs in New York that it's quite hard. You have to know exactly how to do it and stuff. Like you have to really yell at them, and like be quite brash. There is a whole etiquette around it, so maybe it's that. Oh, right. You just got to go in the street and shout "Oi!" Really, like, <laughs> that's how yeah. it works. Um, so are we are we ready to grade? Does anyone have anything? Are we more ready to, to grade? I think I am. Yes, I, I am. Are you? Well, go on. You go first. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I gave um, Cadet Kelly a six, didn't I? I think you did. Okay. Um, um, this one's hard because I don't want to like poo-poo it too much, but it's pretty poo-poo. So <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be poo-pooed a little bit. I mean, just literally like. She fudges all over the carpet with her shoes. <laughs> like, you know, oh, and that this... moment where, um, what's his name, Jackal calls it like fudge tracker or something like that. It's poop, not... Poop tracker, I think. Poop, poop tracker. poo tracker. It's like, wow, that is really what? mean. When she walks pooing on the carpet. When she came back from cleaning her shoes in the bathroom and he goes, there's my little poo poo tracker. Awful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Horrible. That's abusive. Um, yeah, so it's it's just, it's not great. Like... The plot is a little bit clearer and easier to understand than it was in Cadet Kelly, which just seems to bounce around everywhere. But I just, I just didn't care about the characters, with the exception of like the one character I did slightly care about. We just don't know very well, so it's kind of even hard to care about her. Um, good old foster girl. Right, well, don't tell him the name. What is it her name? Begins with a D. D D. You know that's Chi Chi, isn't it? <laughs> Chi Chi Devane. There is no Chi Chi in the film either. Yeah, Chi Chi is um, Chanel. You're talking about yeah. Chanel there, but yeah. Dorinda. Dorinda. It's just, oh, come on, it's not a common name. Right. So but we've said it so many times. <laughs> I like Dorinda, but I just, I can't like her enough because there's just, there's not enough of her in the film to like. Um, the, it's it's just shallow. It's, I guess it's, I guess it would be a bit of fun if I was like, when I was a young boy, I probably would have quite liked this film to be fair because I was camp as anything. So, you know. <laughs> Um, I probably would as well. I probably would have enjoyed it as a kid, but like watching it now with the critical eyes of a young adult, 
Um, it's just like there's just no substance and there's no lessons learned and there's just there's not much conflict and worst case scenario the girls end up not being a girl band anymore and frankly I'm not even that big on the music so that wouldn't be much of a loss um, so based on that I'll have to give this one a four okay um, yeah not bad, not bad. if we use Cadet Kelly as a barometer which I quite <laughs> liked I think I gave it a six point five. You did? You did. I think that was pretty far ahead of this one, really, because there was some genuinely nice themes and plots in that. It was not a perfect film. There was lots of, you know, odd stuff in Cadet Kelly, but I feel like this one is a pretty vacuous film. This one really. makes me like Cadet Kelly more, in <laughs> retrospect. Well, that's what I was just kept saying about, like, we need to find our level with these movies, because, like, I think maybe we're a bit too harsh on Cadet Kelly. This one, I just thought, like, it was so hard to be invested in anything that was going on, because, one, there wasn't much going on, and two... It's just these low stakes, like we keep saying. There was no threat, there was nothing, and there was just it was all just a bit of a runaround, to be honest. Um, it was okay, and I get that it's not it's not the film's fault that I don't like the music because I just don't like that genre. It's not a film for me at the end of the day, so I'm not going to give it a zero or anything. I'm going to also give it a four because it's just not for me, but I'm sure people like it. <laughs> so, <coughs> um, no, okay. Oh, me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, four and a half, I think. Okay. Um, I was expecting a lot worse from you, actually. Yeah? <laughs> maybe... Um... <laughs> You've said it now. No, maybe a four. No, four, oh. four and a half feels too... Ooh, no, uh, four. Are you okay there? It's a four. <laughs> yeah, four and a half just feels too, like... Oh, you know, not, not, not all that bad, really. I mean, it's still below four. a five, so, you know, it, four and a half is still bad. Yeah, it's still a, still a, still a splat. Um... I just, I don't mind that, like, everything's written in, like, really broad strokes, and I don't mind that the main characters are really hard to like, because I get that that's the point. It's just that none of the characters are that, are that easy to like, and the one character I actually did like, who should have maybe been the protagonist, because they had a bit of conflict to their life, rather than just in the film... I just felt like there was no real focus on that character and Dorinda. Dorinda, there you go. Good old Dorinda. <laughs> yeah. um, music was alright. Yeah. Quite liked that. I figured out um, how I'm going to remember her name. It sounds like Judge Rinder. <laughs> Jake, what's the main I mean, character's were... name? Gary Ellor. Gary To be fair, I've also forgotten that. Gallery. Gallery. Just think of Gallery. Gallery. Yeah. But I keep thinking of Galileo. Which you haven't said. <laughs> yeah, but I know it's not Galileo, so I'm just changing it a little bit, which is where I got Garalello from. Or <laughs> anyway, sorry, Rob. But um, like, yeah, the music was decent, and like the dad was nice. <laughs> the dad <and> was nice. <laughs> schedule was funny. That's going to be quoted on the back of the DVD cover. The dad was nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, it wasn't horrendous. It was just kind of blare, and it, I don't think it. I don't, like I don't mind things being drawn in broad strokes or anything like that. I, a lot of Cadet Kelly was drawn in. Broad yeah, strokes, yeah, that so. can be fine. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff is drawn in broad strokes. Like you know, good versus evil films are also a lot of Star Wars is drawn. Yeah, in yeah broad absolutely. Strokes, That's not say. a problem. Like, so you know, it's not. It's just the. It's just the messages that you come out of this film with are basically just like if you're talented and bratty enough, then fuck it, someone will listen to you, and like. Yeah, fair. And as someone who was considered to be 
when I was at school, like part of musical productions and stuff like that, and kind of bratty about it and stuff. I think if I'd watched this, I would have my head would have just grown more than it did anyway while I was at school, and it just kind of reinforces all these horrible things. But yeah, so a, a four, a flat four, I think. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Simple. Uh, yeah. Four. So no, offer up your defense. Going with a six. Hey. Oh, okay. I still liked it. Oh, so you don't like it more than Cadet Kelly? No, I think after the conversation we've had, I feel like based on the oh, messages no. of this oh, film. Sorry. I mean, it was gonna happen. It's gonna happen oh. to a few of the films in this, I imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah, six. I think it was. It was enjoyable. Music was good. But yeah, it's not. It's not better than Cadet Kelly. Well, I'm, re- <laughs> I'm really looking forward to Cheetah Girls One World because you say that Raven is not in this she's one. She's not in One World. And I didn't like Raven's in, She's in When in Spain. She's in When in Spain. Well, that's fine. But it's just that you know, one of the reasons that Cars Three is the best of the trilogy is because Mater's not in it. And I mean, <laughs> he is. Gallery but, like, is Gallery is the Mater. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is like you know. Mater is heavily sidelined because he's made the main character in Cars 2 and he's what makes it so difficult. Mm-hmm. And so they get rid of him in for Cars 3. So if Raven makes these first two films a bit difficult and she's gone for the third film, it might be like a breath of fresh air. Well, that's so and Raven. Nice. Gonna squeeze one more in. Gonna squeeze one more in. They may not have learnt anything in this film, but will they learn anything when in Spain? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to find out for another... Th- few episodes yet so what have we got next no eddie's million dollar gun yes yeah. <laughs> i'm really excited for this one i've i've never seen this so we're all going in blind i think with this one wow is that is that an all-time first other than like rise of skywalker uh, is that an all-time first for us to be going all completely blind into a film? film and all going in blind yeah i think yeah. it is yeah, yeah. I think it is. wow well if, were there any yeah, if we just if we disclude the other film where we all went in blind then yes this is the no, first but time I mean, a, film that's not, a film that's not new like yeah. a film that okay, exists but none of us have seen had you, had you guys all seen the good dinosaur before we did? yeah yeah unfortunately i had i still haven't seen it i hadn't but i suppose <laughs> as the four of us yeah Yes, the first non-new film that none of us have seen. Although, to be fair, with Good Dinosaur, I mean, even though I've watched that, I could say I hadn't because my eyes were glazed over for most of the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that, that we all of the characters... Cooped up in my granddad's third bedroom. And... <laughs> all of the characters in this film were better than Arlo. Arlo remains the most pathetic <laughs> character we have come across in any of the films we've watched. He was just utterly worthless. Oh, Andy, you know what? You know, we've been talking about in this film, characters not really doing anything, and then the film telling us at the end that they've learnt loads. Yes. The good dinosaur is brilliant for that, where at the end, like, yeah. he puts his little paw print on the family house, and it's like, you haven't earned that. You've not done anything. He just cried a lot, and then fell over in the right kind of way, and that was it. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, this is better than The Good Dinosaur. We gave it a higher okay. rating than that. Good. Because The Good Dinosaur is a little bit shorter and it feels about three times as long. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've still not seen it. I don't think I have Don't bother, no. So. Don't bother. Yeah. We did it, we, we did it so you don't have me. to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the DVD, st- the DVD still stares at me from the shelf. Probably one of the worst it. investments you've ever made, that DVD. <laughs> I can't, honestly can't believe it. Well, it's on, yeah, it's no, on Disney+, um, Plus. proud sponsors of Rebel Chums. So... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Eddie's million dollar cook-off. Yeah, with all we know is that the guy on the cover is holding a spatula as a baseball bat. This sounds to me like it's going to be the the best thing, best film about food since Ratatouille. I'm going to make it, based on the kind of moral dilemmas between do we choose this or do we choose that, that tend to be in all these films, I'm going to guess he has to choose between cooking and baseball. 
Oh my god. I'm guessing that that's what is it is. A hell of a place to pull from. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I, I hadn't even considered that. Don't, it's basically don't, oh high school god. musical, but with cooking and baseball instead of basketball yeah. and musical theatre. High oh. school cookie ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm just imagining Eddie. Don't go to that baseball game. You're gonna miss your dad's cook off. <laughs> Eddie. Don't go to that cook-off. You're going to miss the baseball game. God. Maybe at the end they'll be like stood there over a barbecue on the pitch. I can do both if I believe in myself. Let me flip <laughs> these burgers before I hit a home run. Flip, <laughs> flipping the burger with one hand and hitting home runs with yeah. the other. <laughs> There's your tagline. Well, we'll find out. Great. We'll find out next we week. Will. Yeah. We will. I can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Alright. That's it then. See you guys later. See you for that. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye.